All right, here we are. Yeah, we're live here with Totally Uncensored. I'm happy to have my guest tonight. He is one of the hottest comedians in the comedy game right now. Relax. Look at him. Look at him. He looks <laughs> like right now. We're talking about Orlando Leva. What's happening, Orlando? What's up, Mikey, man? Nothing much, brother. Nothing much out here. Doing I good. Just, I was just saying how happy you look, man. You look so healthy and happy, and it's your hair, bro. Your it's hair. my hair, man. I exfoliated this morning. I, gra- I, you know, I grabbed the little cream that has the little dirt. It's like cream <laughs> with dirt, and you just rub it. And it takes off that old dryness out of your face, man. Next thing you know, you're glowing out here. Right. And, and that hair, bro, when did that hair happen, bro? You always like that? Or? I've been, I've been, I've always had hair. So I've had like every hairstyle. I had cornrows, I had dreadlocks, I had afros. It's just the rebellious of me being, you know, Coming from the Dominican Republic, and my mom used to, you know, it was the short haircut with the part and comb to the side. Oh, and yeah. that's how <laughs> I would go to school. Um, and that was, that was your green card picture, right? Yeah, man. And then, you know, I believe it was in junior high, one of the security guards, uh, a very kind human being by the name of Tracy, he was also a barber on the side. And like after school was over, we lived close to the school was connected to a park and we would just, everybody would bring their $10 and give it to Tracy and he would all give us fades. Oh yeah. And I remember showing up to my house with a fade for the first time. And my mom was broken hearted because on top of that, that my mom was a hairstylist. So she knew how to cut hair and, you know, till this day that, that beautiful woman's 70, uh, three years old and still dreams about owning her own salon one day, you know? So, really? And what does yeah. she think of your hair today, your mom? Oh, she's so supportive, dude. The minute you start having success, she never, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the youngest, man. I can't do no wrong in her eyes, man. So that's the that's way it normally works, bro. Yeah. yeah, now, yeah. now I'm curious, man, what were you doing before? Cause I know you're a smart guy, bro. And, and I'm just curious, what were you doing before comedy? Before comedy, I did every, I did a lot of jobs. Uh, I did, um, I worked in a music studio, cleaning it up and doing like bookings for this music studio. I worked with like rappers and singers. I also worked for doing promotions, like for concerts and how can I be down and the Source Music Weekend in South Florida. And then I started getting, I guess, the grown-up jobs. And then I was just like, I used to work for Hewler Packer and shipping and receiving with them. Uh, me and my best friend Moses, that we were just immature kids doing nothing with them. And I worked for an expanded plastic company. And then I ended up working for a cellular phone company, like where they manufacture where the servers were. And then I ended up working for... FPL, Florida Power and Light, reading meters. And then I ended up, my last official corporate job was uh, CBS News. I was a satellite engineer for them at the end when I I started out just being the guy who drives the truck and sets it up to, okay, you're our satellite guy. And now also you know how to work a camera and also you know how to edit. So I did all that, and then, you know, I guess my wife saw me bored, and then I started uh, um, messing around and toying around with stand-up. Right, because I was going to ask you, because I read where you said you were doing fine, your wife was fine, your 401k was looking good. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you were, you were making some money. So when did you decide to take the step for some kind of, like, security, you know, good-paying job into comedy where we know where – you can hit or miss and the money's not right in the very beginning, right? Yeah. Well, I didn't, I always looked at stuff like very positive and I, my wife also is, was very supportive and she's, I think for our whole marriage, she's always out earned me. She's a very talented human being, very creative. She's an executive producer for commercials on latin america she's won awards like the gold lion and in the cons film festival she's that human being so uh plus we never made the investment of kids so it was just her and i and a lot of dispendable income uh that we could use and 
then I end up working at CBS News. Like I said, man, I didn't I don't even know what I did with my 401k, but I did the right thing, which basically I copied one of my friends mm -hmm. and set mine up the same way he set his up. And my 401k generated me so much profit that when I made that decision and I was 32, we have our house, front yard, backyard. We got our dogs. We have nice cars. And um, I just completely became, I guess, obsessed with stand up. Well, it's a way, I, I think obsessed. It, it was just, it's, it started off with the purest form. And I believe the purest form of stand-up is when you're there and you're doing it and you're not even doing it for the money or because you want to become famous or because you want to be an actor or it's when you're like, I'm a human being and you're having a bad day and I want to make you laugh. And, right. and I just want to, I want to be of service to you. And I lived pretty much, I could walk to the Miami improv and that was another blessing. My, I originally, I went to do improv acting at just mm -hmm. a funny, she got me a gift certificate for my birthday. And mm -hmm. then we went to New York, uh, and we hung out in Manhattan for like a weekend. And we went to go see a show at Gotham's comedy club in my, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And, um, we saw Kyle Grooms there. Kyle and, Grooms. Can yeah. I tell you quickly about Kyle Grooms? You know, Kyle, Kyle Grooms used to work at Gallery Show back mm -hmm. when we did the Keloco days. And yes. he was uh, the head of the graphics department. Yes. Yeah. So, so he's the he one who did, did all this stuff here. Yes. So I didn't know he did comedy. Yeah, exactly. But that rumor was floating around that he worked at Galavision, that he worked at Univision down yeah. in Miami, right? Yeah. Also. Mm -hmm. And I'm working in news and some way that just connected in my brain. And I was just like, Oh, I want to try this. He's doing it. I want to try it. Called down to the Miami improv, got on the list to do the open mic. It was pretty simple. They were like, ah, oh, you need to bring in five couples, I believe. And you get five mm -hmm. minutes on. Stage. And that made sense to me. I didn't know any other rules and anything. So I went and, um, that I said, I think also, other than the wonderful blessings that I've had in my life, in my stand-up life, I think that's one of the biggest blessings because my first time on stage was at a comedy club where people came to see comedy. It wasn't at a bar right. where people was like, okay, guys, we're shutting off the Yankees game right, and right. we got the Miller Lite uh comedy hour here well, i'm your host pachenko and we're gonna bring first comic orlando Leva. it wasn't that and man thank god because that can that can that can ruin a comic sometimes man it can make them stronger there's a lot of strong comics that came up like that but i think i got nurtured man because i came in and it was just like oh a stage a microphone that works a, a neon sign that says miami improv i'm like at, a, at an a club doing stand-up yes it's the open mic night but everybody that came there they came to see comedy and support their friends so right. it was just this um natural and right away justin and melissa they're still managers till this day just uh just took a took a liking to me and just they're both younger than me by the way and they just they just nurtured me as a stand-up they were just like hey like i remember after my second open mic Justin telling me, Hey, you don't even need to, you don't need to pay for shows anymore. Just come up to the door, check in with me. And then whoever's here, you could just stand up in the back of the room, you know, and okay. watch the show. And I took full advantage of that, man. And then there was Ramon Garcia. He's also out of South Florida, uh, Nary signs and, um, and Will Watkins. He's actually living in New York city now. Uh, though they were like, uh, working with the improv in right. the sense of on the corporate side, but they were also standups and Ramon Garcia was a big influence in helping me out and guiding me, you know? So that's pretty cool. So the Miami improv is pretty much where you were nursing and stuff. Yes. Yes. And it taught me, you know, there's, it's not like New York where it's like, oh, you could get up, you know, five times in a night or right. Chicago 
or even LA when on a good night you could get up at three different spots or even four different spots. Miami was just like, okay, the improv. Don't come here trying to figure it out. Just come, right. it's already figured out. So right. that made me that that made it, it was always like I'm not I'm not coming with my notes. I'm not coming with little uh cue cards or stuff. It was kind of like I'm coming up perform. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So then that was the that's where you got nurtured then out of Miami then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then so when did you make the move out of Miami? I guess what did you go from Miami to LA then? I did three years in Miami doing stand up. Yes. Uh, my third year, uh, by my second year, I was already surrounded by a great group of comics, uh, Forrest Shaw, Dave Williamson, John Wynn, Lisa Correo, uh, again, Ramon Garcia and Mary Sainz. And they kind of nurtured me. Then from outside of Miami, mm -hmm. uh, Michael Yo, we became good friends. He's a national touring act. Sebastian Maniscalco, which is a monster now. This guy sold wow. out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row. Wow. He taps me on the shoulder, and I become his Miami opener, his South Florida opener. So Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm, when Sebastian Maniscalco would come down, which he would do every six months, wow. he was on a rotation, and he would sell out every time, I would come. Uh, he, I would, I started off as his host, then I became his middler and towards the end. And right when he was making that transition into theaters, it was like, we're the two men show. So that right. gave me a lot of respect within the corporation of the improv because, Hey, here's this guy in our local backyard and he gets, keeps on getting tapped by Sebastian, which is a big earner for us. Yeah to come so then they did america uh not america's uh got talent then they did uh, uh florida's funniest comedian and it was clubs from key west all the way up to tallahassee florida and jacksonville and um and i won that and that got me a bunch of tour dates and instead of me doing all these i kind of instead of me doing let's say guaranteed spots at at 25 locations where they had to give me bring me in um i kind of negotiated with hey how about you just hook me up with like a spot in la and a spot in new york and that's just that's how it works so and i i flew to la they flew me out they put me up in a hotel as part of the of the grand prize and uh, i played the improv on their hottest night back in the day which was comedy juice okay so i get the taste for la and then i also do new york and i do gotham where the idea originally right. uh, was planted started from and then i came back home uh, i looked at my 401k <laughs> talked it over with my wife and I thought, and you know, this is how even like the universe works or how God works or how life works that, that when I resigned at CBS news, uh, I still, and I love him for this Nick Bourne. He goes, are you sure you know what you're doing? Look, man, we'll just, we'll just give you, we'll bring you back to wherever you were, wherever you want to be, if you want. Cause, uh, also at work, everything was pushing me out. It was like they were they I used to be the guy that just covered the afternoon and the five o'clock news and I was done. Right. Next thing you know, they had me working overnight and they also had me coming in on Sundays, which was like the family meal day. Yeah. And I, that really upset me. And they were like, no, we'll put you back to how you were. It's like everything. And we'll give you a raise. Right. And I remember calling my wife and be like, hey, uh, babe, this is going on and they're offering me more money and everything. And she, uh, this is the type of woman she is. She was just like, what did you go in there for? To get a raise or to resign? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I went to resign. And I'm probably making it sound more romantic than what it was. <laughs> really was. She probably said something along the lines like, fuck them you know like but she, but but it was it was that was i that's what i got from it my filtering system filtered that out of it 
<laughs> I, and then I moved to LA. New York would have been the easiest move, Mikey. New yeah. York, my family's up there. I could have probably ended up working at one of the bodegas that one of my uncles <laughs> uh, own or run or uh, sweeping or taking down at my uncle Saturnino's barbershop. <laughs> one of those things I would have been able to do. No. But I also looked at myself. I'm 32 years old. Now, how, just, how, how far into comedy were you when that Mario Schoolo tapped you on the shoulder? Huh? When you started touring with uh, that was like my Maniscalco. It was like yeah. my third year. So my good. third year was the magic year. My That's my good. third year was Sebastian Maniscalco, Paul Rodriguez, um, uh, Alonso Bowden. Without me even talking to these dudes or asking yeah. them, you know, that's why a lot of guys also worked with me. And I tell a lot of the comics coming up, hey, man, when you finally make it into the re green room, just shut up. Yeah. Don't start. Don't start asking, hey, Mike, Mike, uh, and how are the how are the comedy condos? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. let them talk, especially those first nights. Let let the comic just land, get adjusted. And if he wants to talk to you, he'll talk to you. I know comics that have lost good comics who have lost gigs and don't get rebooked to be a feature for somebody just right. because they wouldn't shut up in the green room, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, third year, uh, and also, um, Louis Anderson, Louis Anderson, Louis Anderson pointed out that I'm a storyteller and he was just like, oh, that premise set a punchline Eh, you're a storyteller, stick to the storytelling, uh, um bruce bruce told me no nah, don't worry if they're laugh they're laughing they're listening so bruce bruce got me real comfortable with the right. room being quiet and being able to take them through all the emotions uh, and he was like my audience will tell you if you suck don't worry about it if they're if they're not talking it's because they're listening to you and uh paul rodriguez just an og he made it he made it happen for me he opened a lot of doors um now, it's interesting because you're, you're, you're being surrounded in your third year by a lot of big-name comics, you know? Yes. Louis Anderson and... Because uh, I'm at an A club, you know? I'm part yes. of an A club. So know? it seems like that helped with your nurturing process that you were able to get surrounded by those big names who were able to, you know, mentor you in a way. And yes. And I just learned a lot. So I'm just saying, that is that just something that happened by chance? Can you plan that? In other words, if this guy's doing com comedy right now, can they pretty much plan the same blueprint where they can hit those big clubs and get nurtured the way you were? That just happened to be a blessing, like you said. I say, I say it's a combination of both. Yes, it's a blessing because it's also uh, I. You know, you think back, and it, it was the perfect, perfect combination of me entering stand-up and me not just wanting to be a stand-up, but also having the maturity of uh, of a grown man of someone whose frontal lobe has already developed, you know, right. so someone that doesn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not in, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable in my own skin, even right. though I was, I was really overweight and everything. I was, I was comfortable in my own skin and it, and I didn't have, it's funny, man, because, uh, the late great Bernie Mac said it in an interview where he goes, don't worry about the money. Leave yes. the money. And obviously, it's easy to say that when you have money. Wow. But the fact that I have a wife who makes a great living, and I also have a regular nine to five right. that I make a great living, and I have my medical, everything's taken care of, you know, that I have, that I have a foundation and stability right. has to play a, into the level of comfort that I have. Like, my job... My livelihood did not depend on getting feature money. Right. So I would take all the hosting gigs. Right. You know, I remember I used to do other gigs for other people and I used to give the money back. Oh. And to this day, I, to this day, Mike, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still guilty of that. Where like I'll do a show and it's friends, obviously there's friends, you know, and they'll give me like, here, here's this much. I'm not gonna say the amount, and right. then I'll be like, "Nah, keep it. Invest it into the show." I've right. told, I've told people straight up, like I've done their show, and then be like, "Here, keep it." And yo, no disrespect. This is not disrespect. This is me donating something back to the show with right. my money by a microphone. Right. 
And I've told them that. And I and I just keep it pushing. Now it's up to them if they want to take it as an insult or not. But it's like I told no. yo, buy a microphone and peace and keep it moving. And then other comics told me, Orlando, even though you don't need it, because I have I have com comedian friends who are now writers. At the time, they were with me doing stand-up, right. and they're marine biologists, you know, for the yeah. county. They're mm -hmm. out there scuba diving during the day, feeding manatees, whatever there mm -hmm. is. And then they come and do stand-up at night. So mm -hmm. the little 50, and uh, I'm, I don't want to belittle the money, but the money right. that they would give us, it was just like, dude, I, I ate that in lunch today. You know what I'm saying? Right, but right. to another comic, that means a lot. That $50 is like, oh, man, that just gave me gas for the week and a couple of meals. So yeah. that that guy, and I, I'll just say his name, Forrest Shaw, he called me out on it, and he says, always take the money because the minute that you stop taking the money, then they feel comfortable not paying that money to the next one who That's really true. needs it. That's yeah. true. That's true. Because that happened to me when I, I was at a point, the same thing, you know, I would kind of just say, you don't have to pay me and whatever. It was like maybe a or 15-minute spot, a 20-minute spot, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it was, you know, 50 bucks, everything. You know, do that, but then as time goes on, they want to do a spot. Yeah, and now they're not even offering you money. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like they're expecting it, which I guess is good and bad. But yeah. you're right. Uh, I would take the money, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I I always take the money. Uh, the only time I don't take the money if I really know the person, uh, obviously, and but I've I I get really aggressive, like uncomfortable aggressive about them making their show better like i i have full conversations like look man like you can't we can't you can't be out here you're you're bringing in you're bringing in these comics and everything and then when we get here your setup is a karaoke speaker with a karaoke mic you can't man go to, uh, a search uh, a sure mic will cost you a hundred bucks dude you know what i'm saying so like i get really aggressive and I, I knock on wood. No one's ever really gotten upset at me, and they follow. They follow the the kind of like the blueprint to having a good show. I love a good show, man. I love a good setup room. I I, I love to set up a room. I I, I hey no man. Hey the lights are too. Right. Bring that down a little bit. What type? Of, nah, man. That's your personal taste in music. Just give me top forty as they're yeah. setting the people. Like that. I don't need to get crunk. I don't need to get. It's not like that, you know. So you, so you must go crazy when they do watered down shows. Maybe they don't do it in L.A., but when you have certain cities where you go, right? Mm -hmm. So before they get to you, the headliner, you have mm -hmm. to see like five open micers. Yeah. You know those type of shows I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, they do them here. They do them you here. Must go, you must go crazy then, right? Yes, they, uh, I go, that bothers me a lot. Uh, any show that has over, I think my limit is at six comics, man. Yeah. That's where I'm limited at, like where my patience lies. <laughs> uh, a perfect showcase night is four comics and the host. A perfect showcase. Mm -hmm. To me, once you get into the realm of eight comics, yeah, the show, this show has no meaning. This show's lost its value. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously at the improvs here in Hollywood and at the comedy store is a little bit different for that show because that show is all, you know, people on TV. And, uh, oh. and I'm not saying they're all good comics, but it's like, okay, there's a certain value to them being on stage. But what you just said, sometimes we do, and it's like, no, nah, let me put on Fulanito that he's part of my improv troupe and yeah. he wants to try it out, and it, and then it goes on, and it's like, nah, yeah. dude, you're you're devaluing the show. This that's just as worse as having a bad mic and a bad sound system, definitely, or bad chairs. No, no, I totally <laughs> agree with that, man. It's true. It's true, man. But. You know, when you're headlining, you got to sit back and pretty much eat it. You know, there's not much yeah. you can do, especially if you're getting paid, man. Yeah. But no, let me let me ask you this, because a lot of people fall into the trap. Like, you opened up for some big names, right? Mm-hmm. But there's comics out there that are forever openers for big names. I'm not mm -hmm. going to mention names, right? Yeah. And they're known as just the opener for this comic, and they'll forever be doing 15-minute sets. Yes. From now until they made their money, you know, they're opening up for a big name. Yes. When did you make that break where you just, you know, where you were able to go out on your own and not be known as the comic who opens up for this guy? I, you know I, 
Yes, I 100%. And I just signed on to this mind state where I'm not going to be, I don't want to be the second banana. Yeah. Exactly I don't, I don't want to be the second banana. I want to be the main banana, nice and green. And, <laughs> you know, and, and that people, you know, I don't, I don't, I really, I really, and there's nothing against those guys, but I also, and I knew always how to tap out respectfully without building any enemies and the people that I've opened for, I'll still open for them here and there, but it's like they, and I also, man, I also got, I use the word bless a lot. I got blessed that some of these people that I open for the Sebastian Menescalcos, the 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 Michael Yo, you know me and Ma Michael Yo let me sleep in this extra bedroom, which at the time was his TV room, and at the W he, when he lived at the W. This guy lived at the W. Really? Uh, yes, because he already had. He's another guy. His story's fantastic. He's like successful TV uh, uh, host and whatnot, and then he's like, he falls in love with comedy, and genuinely falls in love with comedy, and he's so happy now, because he no longer gets introduced as host Michael Yo from the E! Network, or Chelsea Lately, they just interview, they introduce him as comedian Michael Yo. Um, I still open up for Michael, but it was just like, no, this is your journey, and, you know, you need to build a team around you that wants to go with you in your journey. Because I guess I, I always, you could, uh, there's a bad way of putting it, but I kind of like jump ship before you get to that point where you're earning and starting to live a lifestyle that you're going to feel uncomfortable if it all goes away. Right. Meaning, you know, cause yeah. it's easy. It's easy to get on with, with someone like this and next thing you know you blink i mean you blink yeah. mikey and within a year you're clearing a hundred grand for you yeah and now you got this lifestyle where you're staying you know yeah in new york terminology now you're 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 like on the upper east side and and yeah. and and you got a two-bedroom or in miami you're staying in coconut grove or in the gables or in la you're living in studio city having a great uh life right. but now it depends on this other comic the uh okay. angela johnson's the michael yeah. yo the mm -hmm. the sebastian Menescalco, and mm -hmm. then it never it's never ended look man i i again i used to word a lot but it's because i do live in this space you know i get up every morning and the first things i say is i'm blessed i i say that i say thank you i'm blessed and like uh, one year, I got I got Conan's top ten comics to watch. Conan O'Brien labeled me that, and because of that, I got flown to New York and I got to do the New York Comedy Festival. Big deal! This is a big deal for me. Yeah. I'm so excited. And come and do the research. Who put me up for Conan's comics to watch? Uh, Sebastian Menescalco. I hadn't spoke to Sebastian in that time in over a year because he was gone. He was gone, yeah. He was through the roof. And I'm cool. It's not like, it's not like, oh, it's actually my job to reach out to him. And yeah. I would reach out. Hey, man, happy birthday. Hey, congratulations on the new kid. And sometimes I would hear back. And sometimes I wouldn't hear back for months. And then I would hear back. And this is one of those times that I think it was over a year since I had talked to Sebastian. And next thing you know, I get it. The call from Conan's people. I get the I get awarded that. And um the guy that orchestrated that whole move was Sebastian Menescalco. Wow, that's so nice, man. That's you a good story there. Like, but I don't know what you know, and I want you to understand. I'm not saying I know Sebastian like that. I'm not saying mm -hmm. I haven't even broken bread with Sebastian at his house. It's just been at a comedy club. Our relationship yeah. is strictly based in a green room uh, friendship. Well, you guys you made know? some kind of spiritual connection, bro. You know, like you said, I stay quiet, man. I stay quiet. You want to be friends with Sebastian? You just, if you're with him, you just 
let them chill. He has a lot going on, man. Right. It's like that's the way I just look at people. If people want to talk to me, they'll talk to me. If right, not, right. they're not. They'll ask me questions. If you want me to talk, you'll start asking me questions like you're doing, and then I just start talking. I won't shut up. I put in a, a easy forty five minutes. It's nothing for me. <laughs> but no, but you're right. It's better that you know let them approach you rather than you kind of. They might yeah. not want to be approached that day, but you're right. Yeah. If they want to talk, you'll you'll. Yeah, no and I've been talk. like that since I was a child, man. It's like people look at me. They're like, "Ah, oh, Orlando seems kind of grumpy." <laughs> and then they meet me and they start asking me and they're like man you're nothing how come you weren't i was just like it wasn't my place to start talking man i talk when it's time to talk mm -hmm. that's pretty cool man what's all about conan congratulations mm -hmm. bro was it your second or third appearance on the tonight show uh Did this one this is my third man my third, third appearance yeah wow bro you know yeah. how hard it is to get on that show let alone for a Latino to get on that show. Is is uh, <laughs> seriously is is how did very... that come about, man? Huh? How did that all happen? The, the uh, Tonight Show. It's you know, a, again, I'm blessed. Also, the Booker Michael Cox. Um, once he took over the rings, Michael Cox was a great addition to the Tonight Show because here's the thing about Michael Cox that he was already on the road with NBC and other networks uh, doing doing scouting. He was out there like, a, like one of those baseball scouts at all the festivals, and he's just like, just taking notes, man, on comics. One of the most beautiful things that I, I, I appreciate that Michael did, other than giving me the shot to audition for The Tonight Show, was after I did the Tonight Show. No, the night I was doing the Tonight Show on his personal Facebook, which the industry's watching his Facebook. You know, the the executives and everything. He goes Orlando Leyva, and he goes um, second place at the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival, second place at Big Sky Comedy Festival. Uh, I forgot. He named like two other festivals. Like he's giving them a timeline of three years. And he goes, and I remember him wrapping it up. And tonight he makes his debut on the Tonight Show. This is like what he did for me there. And he did for the industry. Let the industry know was like, yeah, I've been watching this guy for three years. He's been banging it out on the road and doing the festivals and that's why till this day comics go to me hey man how do i do it i say right. man just join the festivals do the festival and be strategic and also ask for help from other comics so like if comics ask me i i uh i tell them oh the other festival was slow comedy festival uh mm -hmm. st louis obispo comedy festival i tell them, oh man go to big sky submit to big sky submit to laughing skull down in atlanta big sky in montana uh, do, um, submit to slow in California. Now, did you submit yourself to these festivals or was your manager or agent? Or? No, I, at the time I yeah. was, I was still, so you I submitted was, yourself. yeah, I submitted myself and then people were seeing me like people were seeing that I was like, oh, okay. This guy, he's delivering, he's consistent, which is the right. other big important part of the stand-up life that we live. Is that where he saw you then on the festivals? The, yes, uh... he started seeing me. And then a good friend of mine, Josh Sandoval, which was um, the first guy, one of the first guys in L.A. when I got here, he used to be a producer for uh, America's Got Talent. And he heard me talking at a party and he turned around, heard my voice, and he goes, you're Orlando Labor, you're from Miami, Florida. <laughs> and then I go... What? And then he goes, yes, I saw a YouTube video and I was trying to reach out to you because I wanted you to audition for America's Got Talent. This wow. is uh, this is exactly like eight and a half years ago. And yet fast forward a couple of years, uh, we're at the improv, just Josh and me just we became friends off of that night. And it wasn't he wasn't at America's Got Talent anymore. Nothing like that. Um, Josh goes, oh, this is. Michael Cox, Michael Cox works with, I think he was working with NBC. He was, oh, he was the booker at Chelsea Handler. Oh, 
Okay. He was the booker at Chelsea. He was a producer on Chelsea Handler. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. And one night, we, we all just kind of like hit it off that night. Again, grown man vibes. There's, I don't have the so social awkwardness. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people, hey, what's your biggest advice? Oh, be nice. Don't be weird. Like, sneak, <laughs> let the weirdness sneak up little by little. Don't just be weird. <laughs> Yeah. From the top, the, oh, you don't know how to shake hands or something, you know, like right, right. just be, be nice. Don't be weird. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Have a good nice time. In, that'd be nice in a t-shirt. That'd be nice. Don't be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Get it yeah. Up there, bro. yeah. Yeah. Cause everybody <laughs> likes being weird now. That's their thing. And, um, and that was it, man, that relationship, but the festivals and Josh, uh, introducing me and just me being there and i know charlie from south by southwest uh the booker from south by southwest i met him at big sky comedy festival and then a few years later thanks to our, our mutual friend edwin licona i got to do south by southwest not on my own terms in the sense it was mm -hmm. like uh you know one of the things that edwin is really good at is is packaging this entre nos and being like, look, man, like you need a Latino representation in South by Southwest. You're doing this type of show. You're doing that type of show. But and Charlie pretty much signed on to it. And that was it. We were at South by Southwest. My first time at South by Southwest. It was thanks to uh, Victor and Edwin. And they put me in a nice hotel and they made sure that I ate and that I got to perform in South by Southwest. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, man. And you mentioned Edwin Lacona. I just laughed because we both know him in that. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure if he's watching. We got to let him know that he's officially now, in my book, he's an influencer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a grown man on TikTok, bro. He'll quick to tell you. He tells you. He tells you. I got like a thirty million thousand followers. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Those are. I don't know if that's real, bro. You're that's an influencer. All, he's an influencer, bro. But Edwin Lacona, so people out there know, he's. Uh, I guess. The, Executive producer of Entre Austin. Yeah. The one who's responsible for all the specials on HBO Max, which you happen to do, right? That was your first special? Yes, that was my first special. Fast forward, you <clears throat> know, uh, Edwin approaches me. I do five minutes at, um, at um, Ida Rodriguez feature showcase set for Entre Nos, one of the Entre Nos. And... Um, which, That's by the way, you can catch Enter the Nose on HBO Max for those people watching. Just yeah, the whole catalog is there. Yeah. yeah. Pretty funny. Uh, yes, my list call. Anyway, I do five minutes there. I meet Edwin for the first time, like really, really meet him. Uh, we looked at each other. Edwin has this vibe. Edwin and me have a similar vibe. And also, I've told him he reminds me of one of my brothers that passed away. Other for the fact that my brother was really extra. But he was like... He, him and Edwin carry a same type of energy okay. and then I'm, and I'm real comfortable. I'm real comfortable about who I am and stuff. And I told him like, Hey man, you know what you and me are going to do? We're going to bring back the half hours to HBO. And I just said it, he bought into it. Fast forward, we do it. And then it triggers everything, everything aligns. So then right. uh, my special is called adorable. It's on HBO max right now into the nose banner. We do the internos thing, and then Mike, I actually I did I did call it. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm not even gonna pretend like I did it. I called it right away where I told them I told Edwin this is gonna be magical. So I get uh, we finish the internos special. We is getting cut. Is getting edited. The first thing that we work on i say ah oh, dude they're not e it's not even gonna fly on the internos they're we're gonna name this one and edwin is also yeah i i want to lean towards that because now it becomes two things it becomes internos showcase and then it right. becomes standalone half hours presented by internos with right. their name and title and uh the name gets called i what do you want to name it orlando i want to name it I gave them one name, they shot it down, and then I gave them another name called Adorable, which is what a white lady in Denver, Colorado called me after a show. 
which is actually the mom of Justine Marino, another comic. She grabbed me by the cheeks. <laughs> she says, oh, you're just adorable. I was just like, all right. And <laughs> that stayed in my head. We called the special adorable. Uh, the graphic designer, the key art, the pictures get taken by this amazing uh, photographer. I'm blanking out on his name. The key art is done by this amazing graphic designer from Japan mm. at HBO. The team at HBO comes. Conan names me top 10 comics to watch. I get approved to do the Tonight Show. So I do the Tonight Show. Top 10 comics to watch. I shot for True TV, one of oh. those laugh tracks. Right on. And my special comes out. So in the in in like for two months, if you were paying attention to stand-up, it was just Orlando, 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 Orlando. Like this thing right. for the in industry insiders. Right. Like, oh, this guy's having a moment. Now do you have a jump. manager at the time or not? Uh, yes. By the time that the special came around, yes, I had a manager. I have a manager. I love him. He's one of my best buds. His name is Dave Rath, which Rath. is, yes. Rath saw me at the West Side uh, Comedy Club. Thanks to another friend named Eddie Feldman. He told him, hey, you should go see this kid, Orlando Leva. Uh, he popped in the club. That, by the way, that's the way I always ask God or the universe that I wanted mm -hmm. The people to rep me be like like that they saw me doing the work, right. not that they heard that I was doing the work. And he saw me doing the work. I came out. I met him. I met his wife. And then next thing you know, we had a couple of dinners. Then I'm listening to a podcast. This is when I. This is why I went with Dave, and it's Judd Apatow talking to Barry Katz, mm -hmm. and they're talking about lending money once you become famous and you're making a lot of money. How people come and ask you for money. And Judd Apatow said that he would rather give people money. That way the friendships would always stay there. Right. Except for one person, Dave Rath. When Dave Rath decided to start his company, uh, Judd Apatow lent him some money to help him uh, get off the ground. And he said, and Dave Rath came back within less than a year and paid me all my money back. Wow. And I was just like, wow, that's the guy. And I'm about to go have dinner. And I had... Right. I had other meetings. I was going to meet Burlstein and like all these top tier. Right. And then I was just like, nah, Dave had already met my wife. We went to dinner. I met his wife. I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm just, then it was just like, I took that as a sign, as an omen, as whatever you want to call it. This right. is the guy I want to go with. Him and Edwin get along right away. It's just right. like, and that was it, man. I have the team. I have this and I do all this and I still don't even have agents. It's just me, my manager. I got a guy who believes in me, Edwin Licona. Like Edwin believes in me other than personal family members and close friends. Mm -hmm. Like Edwin is one of the guys that's like, dude, I see your greatness. Like I, I you know, I just, I, I just finished watching, um, ABC's doing this whole series on Mike Tyson. And what was the old man that used to train Mike Tyson? The, the oh, Lamont? yeah, Lamont. yeah, yeah. The guy well, from upstate New York, yeah, upstate. The old one that died he right before away. he won the championship. Yeah, but before he was, he became world champion of right. the heavyweight. That guy was would just go, but you're you know you're champion of the world, right? You know you're champion of the world. Like right. that's how I feel about Edwin. Now that I saw that Mike, as soon as he started seeing me do stand up and I know it's not just me. I see him do it other with other comics also, but it's great to know you have someone in your corner and Victor too. Victor doesn't stay far behind. Victor's more like I'm a play hard and the financial guy, whatever, dude, I know that there's a side of you that gets excited because for whatever it's worth, you're helping someone achieve their dream. Right. So it means something. So those two guys, man, I hold them close, close to my heart, man. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, man. So when you do the Tonight Show, which one was more nervous for you? Uh, or gave you the butterflies, doing the Tonight Show or doing your special? Uh, the Tonight Show. Tonight the show. special, I'm with my people. Everybody's protecting me. Right. I'm protected. The Tonight Show is a combination of, first of all, you're there. Jimmy Fallon is really that dude. He's not. There's no way for so many years you can pretend. 
and not have a moment not once on air where like the real you comes out and so whatever people want to say i never heard anybody say Mm -hmm. but that dude's always been every time i've been there he treats me the same way a lot of energy a lot of positivity and it's all about you succeeding where it becomes hard is so they it, they want you to succeed they don't want to have a bad show okay where it becomes hard hard it's an internal thing is the is the you know the last two times i've been on the making sure that i have my dominican flag and my puerto rican flag and my american flag on you know those little minute things it was like you know like my one of my friends used to tell me orlando's the little things that are gonna bite you in the ass so so why, those, was that, why, why was that important to you, having those three flags? Like? Be, because it's important that we're represented. Mm-hmm. And thank, that show right there, man, out of a lot of shows that's on TV, but that show in particular, that show highlights us a lot. Mm-hmm. And mainly because it's in New York. Because you get to find out that it's just not Latinos or Latinx or Hispanics or that we're all mexican you get to find out oh dominican puerto rican this is a merrill you know the bodega boys they used to be on fallon all the time he he's gone to puerto rico and done videos with bad bunny yeah he's represented over there you know what i'm saying it's like he's into reggaeton he's into the he he he, yeah he just for what whether he's into it or not he respects the culture the whole culture And every time that I'm there, uh, there's a little kid that might see me or might recognize that flag because it's hanging behind in his living room in a little frame that his dad has or his mom. Oh, oh, that's your flag. You know, and obviously if you're Puerto Rican, they're going to drill into you that you're Puerto Rican. And, you know, and they could see themselves and hopefully they can see themselves. And it's just not a. Un galán de telenovela, meaning just uh, uh, this perfect specimen of a Dominican with a chiseled jaw and really, really light skin and even light eyes. You know, like my brother. My brother was uh, light complexion, uh, African features with green eyes, you know, and, and, you know, and but they're not just seeing this they're seeing this and with the hair pulled back and right. curl and someone of color and he's hey Mita, and he's representing are you are you kidding me right now right, right. so it's like i i get a lot of like dms and people that just get real happy but at the same time i get to use the platform to show the rest of america that like hey man i'm obsessed with hgtv as much as you are right so there's really no there's some cultural differences, right. but really just as human beings, we all kind of like the same things and we all want the same thing. A roof over our heads. If we want kid, if we have kids, we want them to do better than us. And we want some form of security. Everybody wants that from from a gangster all the way to to the highest end uh, billionaire. He, he at the very core, this is the things that he wants. He wants. You know, some of them are just, they want, they don't just want a house. They want to build a house in outer space. And then that's when they start traveling in that lane of becoming villains, you know, but whatever. <laughs> that's just my theories. Well, that's funny, man. But, but it's good. It seems like you have a plan and, you know, you have like an idea how you want to use the platform and represent. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have anybody doing that right now. It looks like everybody right now is pretty much, you know, like you said, you know, they want to be stars and they want to be the best. And I don't know if it's ego driven or whatever it might be. There's not enough that, what is it? There's not enough in the pie, you know, to go around that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, you're completely the opposite, man. You're doing it for the passion, the love, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just curious, man, what's next? What's next for Orlando Labor, man? Uh, what's next is just like right now it's opening up. We're in, a, we're in this weird, uh, opening up it exists or and it doesn't exist meaning the work of being on the road so right now for example i really can't get that many bookings because they already paid for 2020 they already gave people deposits 
And now those people are getting like, we already paid Fulanito and he has to come because we already gave him right. a quarter of the money. So he has to come because, or we're going to lose that money. So it's all good. Uh, I'm staying afloat by one nighters here and there doing stand up. Mm -hmm. Also, my friends take me on the road with them. Uh, also, I pick up headliner gigs here and there. Uh, shout out to. A lot of love to the comedy seller, man. They show me a lot of love. The improv here in California makes sure that I always uh, have some type of check. And most recently, the Laugh Factory. And most importantly, in North Hollywood, the Haha. -Ha. You know? No, uh, yeah, we're, yeah they, there's a good people. Jack Jr. is running it now. Jack mm -hmm. is still there, senior. Terry is still there. But Jack mm -hmm. Jr. is taking the rings. And, he's, uh, and I love him for that. Uh, I love that whole family. Man, and then, beautiful. like I said, the improv is showing me a lot of love, Aaron. And then Enrique is one of the new GMs at the, uh, uh, we got a Latino running the Laugh Factory in, in Hollywood. Oh, who's and that? His name is That's Enrique. Not huh? Not Jamie anymore? No, Jamie's still there, but yeah. one of the managers is called, his name is Enrique. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll tell you his exact name. Hold on, because we text back and forth. And there's the type of guy he is. He, he's like, yo, here's my... Here's my text. Email me, but also text me directly the days that you are there. So Enrique Salazar, okay. he's a he's a good guy. He's there. He's showing us a lot of love. Uh, I, you know, and um, and I'm still here, man. We're still pitching. Today I had a pitch with Netflix. Let's see what they come back with. You know. Oh yeah, I'm sure you know. Which is a weird world now, Mike, because this was my pitch today. This is you're like, wow, Orlando really has an elaborate setup. But this was my <laughs> pitch today. It was lights and stuff, and I'm at my house, and we're trying to get these ideas out there. So, but so this is for a special or, a series or? <laughs> ah, we don't talk about that. We just keep it. We keep it. It's still, you know. But they're interested. I mean, they should be. I mean, yes, know. yes, 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 yeah. You got the talent, and like you said, you also represent Latinos. I would yeah. just say, like, uh, I guess from the East Coast that are either Puerto Rican or Dominican, you don't see many programs yeah. or shows representing us like that. Yeah. You know, it's purely yeah. West Coast. So that would be kind of a change yeah. all by itself, right? Yes. And yeah, look, I can't think of a show right now that's been on the air that uh, you could say has that East Coast flavor or at least it, yes, Dominican, it was Puerto Rican. No, you can't call it anymore. Really, the way that they try to make shows now is that you can't get the feel where this show is. So they try to land these shows. Uh, there's obvious shows that are made that like, oh, that's clearly an L.A. show. That's clearly a New York show. Right, right. But they try to make these shows now that you could just drop it in the middle of America. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. I do believe that we're getting introduced. We're having... A moment where everybody's getting introduced and it's not just j-lo and uh, mark anthony and ricky uh ricky martin it, where we thought that that was the boom you and me are old enough to be like yeah. oh it's happening it's yeah, happening because yeah. we had j-lo we had we had ricky martin yeah. uh Salma Hayek was still killing it out there penelope cruz was out there they were doing that and we were like oh man yeah. it's Gloria um, Stefan, the Miami Style Machine. Yes, but you know, you know what I, what I'm yeah. talking about. Mm -hmm. When like J Lo dropped on the six that yeah. album, and mm -hmm. we were like, and the movies were out, and Selena, and we were like, us as a community, we were like, this is it, this is the yeah. moment, mm -hmm. and then it kind of like boiled down. You know, it boiled yeah, down. Yeah. I also kind of might have. You want to say I want to put it also in their hands where. You know, obviously, when you reach that status, it's very hard to maintain a certain type of schedule and be able to reach back and grab the next one. But, right. you know, I believe that you can do that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it all depends. And you, you know? got to be willing to take a loss. You got to be yeah. willing to take a loss sometimes just to yeah. just to uh, move, the, move the needle forward, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, People like yourself, man. Maybe that would be the beginning of that happening. Where? Like oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. I know that I'm. It sounds like it to me, you know. Yeah, man. I, I just, I just don't see myself at fifty, wanting to 
be out. It's like no. I what, do you, get, what do you see yourself wanting to do at fifty? At fifty, I hey, I just want to chill, bro. I want to be. I want to be my wife and I. And by then, we got a house on the beach in Dominican Republic, and mm-hmm. I don't. You so know, you and that, added a comedy scene, or you still do the comedy? No, I'll still do, but I'll do it on my terms. Right. I'll do it like, like you know, one of my favorite comics, Bill Burr. That there was a time where he routed his whole comedy tour around football games that he wanted to see live. You know okay. what I'm saying? Right. So he would do he would do comedy, and he would do the sat- Friday Saturday show, and then Sunday he was at the local football stadium. Wow. You know, and it's like that when you're doing it at that level and i'm an old school soul man i'm an old school soul so you know some of these bags that'll come in i talk about it all the time i'm probably gonna buy a laundry mat and i'll set up a barber shop you know my my uncles always taught me that those are like atms that's cash money that just keeps on coming in it's not the big bundle of money that everybody's chasing but it's that consistent money that just keeps on dropping everybody's always gonna get a haircut and if you open a laundry mat and you own the building in the right neighborhood that's right yeah, then, then you can have that uh, that house on uh, yeah, and, beach yeah. At the Dominican Republic. Like, yeah, and then you can and you can go and and like really, not even then. I don't want to wait that long. But before that, I already want to be nurturing and bringing up that that next generation of of talent. Well, let me ask you that. Being you bring it up, what do you think of that next generation? Based on what you've seen on the road or on YouTube. I mean, what do you think as far as the next generation? I think the next generation, they're just having their moment. Eventually, people like you and I are going to get to a point where we're not going to understand it, but it'll still make sense to my nieces and nephews. But the same way that there's stuff that I I do that my mom doesn't even understand. It's like, de que tu habla? You know, I had to explain to her Jimmy Fallon as like Sábado Gigante. That's when it clicked. Mark, we are say Jimmy Fallon has yes. no Oh, okay. Y que tú no es como si, pero es grande, Marco. Grande como y yo le digo como si fuera sábado gigante. Oh. Don Francisco. Oh, she thought that, you know. Yeah. Once I explained to and that's what I think the next generation they're learning how to do it faster. Because right. they you know, I'm part of that generation that we got to, we got to see it, but I got to see it on VHS. They get to just dial it on YouTube and just rewind and rewind and rewind. And I'm not saying they're stealing jokes, but I'm saying they're like the magic thing about our standup is the timing and the rhythm, you know? Right. Uh, it's like, you know, the best way that I, it got this, the most elegant way they got described what we do, Mike, because you're also a comic, is that what we do is play jazz. And if you know how to play it, right. you got it. You know, there's guys that are naturals, there's the Chappelle's, but right. you know, there's a lot now, there's a lot more now that is like, oh, that's not natural. That's a lot of hard work. That's a lot of studying. Oh yeah, yeah. Do because you, you see them and they're doing they're doing it as a comic, you know if they're being being the uh, the true spirit of a comic or they're doing the mechanics of a comic. Right. And when you see someone like Chappelle, you see him flying. And yeah. then I'm not going to name names. There's other comics that you just see him it's like, "No, it's funny. It's amazing. It's great." Right. But I can also see him. I can also see that he's doing math. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. seeing him work out the problem. When right. you see Chappelle, you just see the answer. Huh? Here's the answer. Right. The other comic, you're seeing him break down the whole. Da 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 da. Uh, okay, I get it. Yeah, no, you can I tell when these guys are coming at you from the soul, man. You can just <laughs> exactly. Maybe because we're comedians, we could see it, but I could right away tell. You know, this guy is giving it to me right from the heart. Versus, you know, rehearsed or yeah, what I say, calling it in. Although it's not being disrespectful, calling it in, but I can listen Mm -hmm. to it on the radio and I get the same thing. You know what I'm saying? But someone coming from the heart, man, you don't hear that on the radio like that. You you don't you don't hear it. And you know, there's someone out there. There's some successful comics, like so successful, man. This is 
that I remember this comic coming through the Miami Improv. Uh, he's he's a very successful comic. Lots of movies. And you could set a timer to his set. You could set a clock to his set. Like you could look at right. your clock and be like, right now if you walk in there, he's laughing and right. slapping his knee. Yes. And yes. you would open the door and it would be, ha, ha, ha. And slapping exactly. his knee. Exactly. And two things I learned from that. There, I learned the mechanics, right. watching that. And I also learned consistency. Consistency, right. consistency, consistency. And there's an act, there's a part of his act that is really like, is his spirit. But there's also the perfect blend of his spirit and the mechanics and the consistency. Right. And now, again, I don't want to say names. But he's one of the top touring stand-ups and top. He's a movie star, you know? So. There you go. I worked with a few like that. And what I learned from them, what I was amazed by, like like you said, everything you said, it was, what, I, what got to me was like, how hard was this person actually work to get to that point? Where you could walk into that room, right? And you know, at a certain time, he's slapping his knee. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's repetition. That takes a lot of... A lot of work to get to that point, you know what I'm saying? And I'm mm -hmm. like, wow. So, I mean, it's like, how would you say, like, like, like I, I can't, I can't do that personally. Right, no, I, I can't can. do that. No, but I, like, I, like I, every night, I could, I could tell you the same story, but there's always gonna be a, there's something will go that way or something yeah. will go this way. And I like that. I it's like jazz. I like that. Now you gotta yeah. kind of do a solo, right? Yeah, but there's guys, you know, that you know, um. Seinfeld is one of those guys, but everybody knows I'm not dropping bombs on that. Mm -hmm. Everybody, that guy is. He does act outs, he does all that. But man, if you watch his show and then you go back outside and come back for the second show and time it, at 15 minutes, he's going to be doing this. Right. He's on there. But he's also, that's also, you. that's not, I don't want to seem like I'm looking down upon that. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that's a certain level of professionalism. Right. That if you match that with also your spirit, it's through the roof. And, you know, there's guys out there that have done that. Right, right. Well, you know what, man? You've got a lot of good information, a lot of good stuff you laid out, especially for that next generation. And I think what's missing, what I like to see, I mean, because obviously, you know, you got to study the craft and become a good comic, that we know. But I think when it comes to the business part, so I think you're very smart in the sense of the business part, how to handle the business, like how to deal, you know, with comedians when you're in the green room. But there's, there's little things I think that if somehow we could pass it to the next generation, the smart mm -hmm. way to do business in comedy, I think that would also help. Because sometimes it's not the funniest guy that gets the gig, right? It's the guy who's uh, not only funny, but also knows business. Would you agree yes. with that? Because, I mean, all of these comedians that are successful are successful in business, too. Have you noticed that? Yeah. That's, so, that's yeah, you're 100%. Is that you just got to find that balance. And I'm just grateful, man, that I, I'm grateful that I didn't start at 19. There's days that I have a moment mm -hmm. that, like, man, what if I would have been like Chappelle? And like my mom would have recognized that in me, right. like at, at 14, because right. I was always a funny kid. But like, you know, I started at 32, but then I can't complain because then in three years, I was able to move, you know, upstream because we're all going upstream. Right. I was able to move upstream because I guess, yeah, there was a certain level of maturity. Exactly. I wouldn't under I wouldn't say business on my end because it's like i never i i never chased the money but that also comes from the fact that i never needed the money right. you know so well that's cool man so Lando, so i appreciate you being on the show here with thank, me thank thank you glad to have you man yeah uh, keep it up you're making us all proud bro and uh let everybody know how they can reach you man oh it's right there on the banner at hey lando man straight yes. up if there you go. Uh, hey, Lando, if you have any questions, anything, uh, send me a DM. Don't get weird. Be nice. Don't be weird. And how about if they want to book you? Who they contact? You or your manager? Ah, just send me as also a direct message, or they could go, like, if they want to go through the agency, it's APA, which is what I do. I follow the protocol. So sometimes people DM me directly, and they're like, hey, man, I want to book you for this show. 
And then I start asking a thousand questions and then they kind of like fade away because, of, oh, where's the room at? How much is it paying? Da, 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 everything. Or sometimes they just direct me and I see the venue right away that they're DMing me from and I just redirect them right over to my agents because you it's like you don't want to burn that bridge. I still have a lot of personal contacts and I still I play that world where some people I do take the gig because it's like it's stuff that was already set up. It's already, you know, before I even got with an agent or management, I was already with the comedy seller. So their relationship. So that would be like a flaw of me to be like, yeah, go to my yeah, go to APA. Yeah. For me to tell Esty that would be like a complete disrespect to her, you know? Yeah, I got you, bro. All right, so what last piece of advice can you give that next generation, bro? They want to be comedians. They want to be and follow your blueprint. Orlando Lady. Uh, uh, do the history. Do the history research on, on the career that you want to path. And it truly, there's, the man, the best advice is like I heard it. And it was probably from one of these Tony Robbins infomercials, which is like success leaves clues. So anybody that's successful, you kind of go back and do the history on that human being. Don't go too deep into it. Don't go down the rabbit hole where you're trying to connect dots and everything. But it's like, you know, oh, you know, Fulanito did this, and then he did Que Locos, and then from Que Locos he did Comedy Central, and from Ke Comedy Central he did a tour. Uh, you know, maybe that's what I need to do, you know, that way. So I, I kind of le left some crumbs, but they're not crumbs for you to follow. It's just like if you're feeling some type of weird, if you're not getting any traction, just keep on doing the stand-up, but also... Go do festivals, whatever festival will take you and that is not going to break your pocket. Be careful. There's some festivals that are going to give you room and board and you'll do the festival and you'll be happy. There's some festivals that no, you got to drive yourself there, fly yourself there. There's festivals that are going to pay for your flight, but they're not going to pay for your hotel. You know, just do the research. Don't just we have way too much information out here for you to make mistakes. But you're allowed to make mistakes, and when you make mistakes, forgive yourself and keep it moving. There you have it, man. Well, Lando, brother, thank you very much again, bro. Continued success, brother, and stay blessed, man. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Take care, bro. There we are.